We're back, guys, for the final segment of On This Date in Sports. I always like to close this out with a memorable date in sports, and we're going to start with, uh, not start with, but we're going to end with um, the On This Date in Sports. It is a special birthday shout-out to the one, the only, Vin Scully, one of the best and greatest all-time sports broadcasters for the Dodgers. He has since retired, but he is turning 92 today, um, born November 29th, 1927 in the Bronx, New York, and he grew up and started his career with the Brooklyn Dodgers, and I'm going to play a really cool piece here. It's about two and a half minutes long, but it's right at the end of the podcast, and you can just listen to it uh, right, you know, however you please. If you, you know, it's right here at the end, so um, you can just listen to it and then go about your day, but it's really awesome. This was something the Dodgers had tweeted out a couple, like earlier today. It's a piece about Vin Scully by Vin Scully. And really, all you need to do is listen to the audio because that's really all there is to it. And I think it's really cool and it's really awesome. And it just basically explains, in the words of Vin Scully, how he got to where he was to becoming one of the greatest sports broadcasters of all time. He did it for over like 60 years, guys. I mean, that is unbelievable. He only just retired a few seasons ago, like in his late 80s, early 90s, just incredible. So here is Vin Scully. I will see you guys all next week. It will be December. So I will catch you guys in December, and we will have just a couple more podcasts left in the year in the 2019 calendar. And then before you know it, we will be in January of 2020. So have a good weekend, everybody. I hope you had a great, happy, healthy Thanksgiving, and I will see you next week in December. Here it is, Vin Scully. Many years ago, a little redheaded boy was walking home from school, passing a Chinese laundry, and stopped to see the score of a World Series game posted in the window. The Yankees beat the Giants 18-4 on October the 2nd, 1936. Well, the boy's reaction was pity for the Giants, and he became a rabid Giants fan from that day forward, until the joyous moment when he was hired to broadcast Brooklyn Dodger games in 1950. Ironically, October the 2nd, 2016, will mark my final broadcast of a Giants-Dodger game. And it will be exactly 80 years to the day since that little boy fell in love with baseball. God has been very generous to that little boy, allowing him to fulfill a dream of becoming a broadcaster and to live it for 67 years. Since 1958, you and I have really grown up together through the good times and the bad. The transistor radio is what bound us together. By the way, were you at the Coliseum when we sang happy birthday to an umpire? Were you among the crowd that groaned at one of my puns? Or did you kindly laugh at one of my little jokes? Did I put you to sleep? with a transistor radio tucked under your pillow. You know, you were simply always there for me. I've always felt that I needed you more than you needed me, and that holds true to this very day.
I've been privileged to share in your passion and love for this great game. My family means everything to me, and I'll now be able to share life's experiences with them. My wife, Sandy, our children, Kevin, Todd, Aaron, Kelly, and Catherine, along with our entire family, will join me in sharing God's blessings of that precious gift of time. You folks have truly been the wind beneath my wing, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me on this incredible journey of 67 years of broadcasting Dodger baseball. What up, everybody? Okay, so we are back, and let's jump right in. I do want to get into the NBA, and I do want to dissect what's been going on with them for the last week or so. Um, But first, I do want to mention a couple quick notes on college basketball because we're full force. There's a couple of tournaments that have been going on throughout the country, a couple big-name teams going down. Earlier in the week or over the last weekend, I can't quite remember, might have been earlier in the week, Stephen F. Austin upset Duke on a buzzer beater for the win. Uh, It was an epic game. It was it was definitely a um, wake-up call because the number one team has now lost, what, three times already this season, three different number one teams losing to teams that they should not be losing to. So it hands Duke, excuse me, their first non-conference home loss since 2000 and their first loss to an unranked non-power conference team since 1983. And what's amazing about that is Stephen F. Austin, that brought their record to, I think, 5-1. and one. Their only loss was Rutgers. My Rutgers, the Rutgers team that can't beat anybody when it comes to uh, football, having lost 27-0 to Michigan State a week ago. And I'm not even going to get into college football right now because that's not even, you know, we're not even, wor- I'm not even worried about that. Although we got some big matchups coming up this weekend or tomorrow. There was a couple games on today as well. Uh, Virginia, I think, beat Virginia Tech for the first time in the last 15 or 16 meetings. Okay, they had lost like 15 straight. But yeah, what's cool about the player that hit this buzzer beater for Stephen F. Austin, a GoFundMe was set up for him uh, to help his family because they were devastated. Uh, He's from the Bahamas, which was devastated, obviously, by Hurricane Dorian in September. He and his family lost their home, their possessions, and their church in the storm. So the GoFundMe was set up by by his school, Stephen F. Austin, in compliance with NCAA rules to help him and his family rebuild their lives. Around $2,000 had been raised by game time on Tuesday night. So that answers that. It was on during the week. It was Tuesday night, the game. After he made that buzzer beater, by Wednesday afternoon, not even 24 hours later, the total for the GoFundMe had increased and and swelled up to $55,000. That is awesome. I don't even know what it's sitting at right now, but uh, wow, that is that is amazing. And um, yeah, so good for them. Good for Stephen F. Austin. Just some other quick notes. I don't want to spend too much time on this. You had um, Michigan at just destroying uh, North Carolina, 
okay, and one month into his career as a head coach at his alma mater, Jawan Howard is on fire. He is killing it, okay? They upset number six, North Carolina. This was yesterday afternoon, 73-64 in the battle for Atlanta semifinals in the Bahamas. The Wolverines improved to 6-0 and to start the season. They'll likely be ranked next week. I mean, just absolutely destroyed them. And then guess what? They weren't finished there. Today, they destroyed Gonzaga. They also smoke Gonzaga in the battle for Atlantis. They win that tournament. I mean, just unbelievable. They beat number six, North Carolina. Then they back it up with a win over number eight, Gonzaga. A dominant 82-64 to win. Senior guard uh, Xavier Simpson once again keyed the win with 13 points and 13 assists. Just unbelievable. Um, forward Isaiah Livers led all scores with 21 points on 8 of 11 shooting that total that's extremely efficient and then John Tesco tripped in a double double with 19 points 15 rebounds i mean Michigan 7 and 0 oh, they're going to be ranked pretty high uh top 15 at least just unbelievable job Jawan Howard is doing there so um i think that just about covers that what I wanted to get into there. So let's jump right into the NBA because we have some some Kyrie Irving uh, news to get to. Let me see if there's anything else I want to get to uh, really before that. You have, of course, Luka Doncic. He had been a machine until the Clippers recently just shut him down. There was a report that uh, Richard Jefferson earlier in the week when the Nets played the Knicks, there was a report that Richard Jefferson was offered a job in the offseason to uh to play for the New York Knicks and he and he said on the broadcast for the Yes Network during this game, he jokingly said that that's when he knew it was time to retire when the Knicks came calling. And so they clar- they ended up clarifying that. The Knicks insisted they never made the contract offer to Richard Jefferson. It just looks bad. Why do the Knicks have to come out and say anything? It, it, the Knicks are just a failing franchise that doesn't know how to get out of their own way, and Richard Jefferson proved his point. Nobody wants to play for the Knicks, so yeah, he decided to hang it up and go and and uh, and retire, and now he's a broadcaster for the Yes Network, and he does a pretty good job. So, um, and then we had a Nets in Boston. Kyrie Irving is now on the Nets. Of course, he played for the Celtics last year. No love lost between Celtics fans and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has been out with a shoulder injury for like six or seven games now, and the Nets were like uh, were five and one going into this game a couple nights ago, Wednesday night against the Celtics, and there were posters out in front of TD uh, Bank Stadium that had a picture of Kyrie Irving, and it just said "coward." So the Nets end up losing valiant effort, but the Nets lost by 11, I want to say. Well, they then played again today. At Nets were at home. I wish I would have bet this game because Nets were uh, underdogs in this, and they did end up winning. But the uh, when Ky- uh, Kemba Walker was at the foul line, the Nets fans were cheering, Kyrie is better than you, essentially, is what they were saying. So just some back and forth between those two teams. And I would love for Kyrie Irving to come back, and I'd love to see this as a first-round or second-round playoff matchup. That, to me, would be awesome. Okay, and then, um, oh, my God. R.J. Barrett is in doubt of playing this game. Okay, that's on what? That, that has, that's old news. Sorry, never mind. That had to be old news. 
because I did a uh, I did a bet today um, that included R.J. Barrett. Just an odds boost. Okay, um, and then Carmelo Anthony, he's a couple games into his tenure with the Portland Trailblazers, and they... Carmelo Anthony Portland Trailblazers jerseys have already sold out at the team store. He hasn't even played a home game yet with the team, but his jersey has already sold out in their online team store. Fans flooded the store prior to Wednesday's game to buy his jersey. Just incredible. Uh, Roughly 45 minutes before the Trailblazers were set to tip off against the Oklahoma City Thunder, his jersey was sold out. Coincidentally enough, that was one of his former teams that he played on. Uh, Yeah, just incredible. He had 25 points the other night. He's coming around to his own a little bit. There's been some injuries with Portland, and they've been up and down, a team that was in the Western Conference Finals a year ago. Uh, yeah, so there's a slate of games going on now in the NBA. Okay, you have. let me see. Let me check in on this Knicks and, wow, Knicks and Sixers. The Knicks are up 11 on the Sixers. Let's see. I need Joel Embiid to score 22 points. Okay, he's got 13 points. I need R.J. Barrett to score 12 points. Boom. So R.J. Barrett has 10 points right now. We're only midway through the second quarter. Four and a half minutes left. It's a 10-point game. So I just need MB to get nine more points, and I need R.J. Barrett to get two more. And then I need them to score a little bit more. I need this game to hit the over 207 and a half points. So that is looking very good. I will catch that game, uh, the back end of that, the second half. I want to watch that after I shower. Uh, what else do I want to talk about? That pretty much does it in the NBA. I talk college basketball, okay? Um, some NCAA football. We could jump into some football. Uh, obviously, every week on the Sports Minute, I give you uh, my pick for the week, and it's usually Rutgers every time. I say bet against Rutgers, bet against Rutgers. It didn't pan out with the Ohio State game, obviously, but they bounced back, and they lost 27 nothing to Michigan State, so Michigan State covered the spread, and Michigan State went into that 4-6. and six. So now they play Penn State. This time, they're on the road, and Penn State is the number 10 team in the country. And if things bounce their way, they could get into the college football playoff. If Michigan somehow beats Ohio State, then you're looking at maybe, you know, things could get crazy and Penn State has a chance. This spread has sw- is over 40 now. It's at least it was 40 and a half, that's right. I think the the line started to trend in favor of Rutgers, okay? A little bit 39 and a half maybe. I think it dropped down to I'm still t- sticking with Penn State because I I'm sorry, Rutgers has been shut out three times this year. Happy Valley is one of the craziest places, one of the wildest fandoms you'll ever see. That place seats hundreds over 100,000. It's a sea of white. It is not an easy place to play. And this is somewhat of a rivalry because Penn State sort of leeches a lot of Rutgers recruits from their grasp. And it's been, uh, you know, a rivalry for many years and, you know, dominated by Penn State, of course. So yeah, I'm going to stick with Penn State there. You've got a game on now between number 25 Appalachian State against Troy. They're smoking them 41 to 13. Uh, what were some of the games that were already played? Yes, the Virginia versus Virginia Tech game, I said. Virginia snapped a 15-game losing streak, 39-30. They win that one. You had Iowa beating Nebraska, 27-24. You had Boise State beating Colorado State, 31-24. And uh, number 18, Memphis beat number 19, Cincinnati, 34-24. Number 22, USC 
they are on a bye. And then, like I said, the key games this week, you have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oh, my God, did anybody see that uh, Egg Bowl last night, too, between um, Ole Miss and I think Mississippi State, was it? The uh, Oh, my God, that was a classic between those two. Um, so let me just pull it up here on my phone uh, real quick. You had excuse me, uh, Missis- yeah, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So Mississippi State prevailed 21 to 20 because Ole Miss, the Ole Miss wide receiver right at the end of the game, uh, he missed, let me see this, hold on. Uh, Elijah Moore scored the two-yard touchdown and then he got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for his celebration, which moved the extra point 15 yards back that would have tied it. And the kicker, uh, Luke Logan missed the PAT and Ole Miss lost the Egg Bowl there to their to uh, Mississippi State. So yeah, that is just a brutal, brutal penalty, and that's why guys, you ne- you don't celebrate until the final whistle. Uh, because what's he celebrating? He didn't win anything. They still have the extra point, and then they still have overtime, and anything can happen. So yeah, you have uh, Georgia plays Georgia Tech, and like I said, the big one is Ohio State on the road at number thirteen, Michigan. Ohio State is the number one team in the country at eleven and zero. The, it's noteworthy there that Jim Harbaugh has not beaten Ohio State since he returned to Michigan, okay? And that was with Urban Meyer. Now it's Ryan Day. So we look to see if, you know, Michigan and uh, Jim Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, can finally break through that glass, if you will, and, and finally get that first win over Ohio State because they're another team with an outside chance. Nobody realizes, but they're sitting there at number 13. If something's bounced their way, you never know what could happen, okay? Um, you have number eight, Minnesota, hosting Wisconsin. This is another one that's going to have play some intrigue. If Minnesota continues to win out, they have, they have the uh, college football playoff on lock. Should they beat uh, an Ohio State or uh, you know whoever in in the Big Ten championship game they should jump they'll jump in. You have Alabama on the road against number five, uh, fifteen Auburn. That should be a good game to watch. Alabama is only three and a half point favorites. That's an intriguing one. I would maybe take Alabama on the road there. Uh, you have number fourteen Oregon against Oregon State. These are a lot of in-state rivalry type games. Notre Dame's playing Stanford. Iowa State, Kansas State, LSU's hosting Texas A and M. Florida, Florida State. Um, yeah, Florida's, Florida's 17 and a half point favorites. I can't, I wouldn't bet that, uh, Utah plays Colorado. Yeah. So, okay. I I've dragged this out a little bit too long. Um, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. This was kind of not one that I had a set, you know, I usually take notes, but with everything going on, I don't have much to talk about really in terms of, uh, you know, really laying things out there and going over a lot. I don't have a lot of sound bites, but we're, we are, we're going to take one more quick break. And then when I come back, the last segment that I always do is on this date in sports. And it's, uh, it's a pretty cool one. So stay, stay with it. Uh, stay warm and we'll be right back with on this date in sports.
but I like the Bears at minus four. In the second game, you got the Cowboys getting like six and a half or more at home against the Bills. The Bills are eight and three. The Cowboys aren't that good. They lost to the Jets, so I'll take the Bills there. And then in the final game, the nightcap, you have the Saints and the Falcons. This is a rematch from a couple weeks ago in which the Falcons upset the Saints big time, so I like the Saints here big. What's going on, everybody? I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving yesterday. It is Friday, November 29th, 2019. Yes, it is Black Friday, and I am going to apologize. It's almost 8 o'clock at night on the East Coast here in New Jersey. It is freezing, but my crazy self decided to, instead of going shopping on Black Friday because I do most of my most of my spending on my phone or computer or what have you on the internet, you know, online shopping. If there's something I want to buy, I will just usually go to Amazon, you know, your Target, your Best Buys, Walmart, what have you. I skip the lines. But this this Black Friday, I don't think I've done this before. I decided to switch things up. And me, my dad, and my 88-year-old grandfather decided to go play some golf in some frigid weather. It was about 35, 38 degrees or so, and it wasn't terrible. It wasn't a great time, but, you know, it was awesome. Get out on the links. It's been a couple months. Weather's just been dreadful. So we did that, and it was pretty cool. So, yeah, did not do any of the shopping. So, you know, I got home, ate some dinner, did some things around the house, and Now I decided I better just bang this episode out, okay, because I'm not too sure when, you know, if I don't do it tonight, if I'm going to be in the mood to do it tomorrow. So officially, this will be, what episode is this, guys? This is, I believe, episode number, it's my show, so I should know what episode this is. Episode 77, I'm your host, The Pody. I don't know if I got to that part at the beginning. What you guys just heard at the top of the show was a recap of my sports minute on the Glorious House of Gains podcast. I don't know if you guys listen to that or not, but if you do not, it is a must. You're going to want to jump on over to your iTunes, your Apple podcast, your Spotify, whatever app you listen to podcasts on, you want to jump on over there and hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star uh, leave a five-star rating, and maybe a comment here on the Glorious House of Gains podcast because for the most part, those of you that listen to that show, they come on come on over here, those that are sports fans, I should say, and they do enjoy listening to, you know, uh, the Pody, myself, talk about sports and drop some knowledge. And I did drop some knowledge in that sports minute because I will admit, though, I had the Bears minus four. I had the uh, Bills get getting six and a half. I could not believe, I could not fathom why the Bills at 8-3 and three were underdogs against the Cowboys, who are not very good, okay? They don't have a win against a team with a winning record this year. They're now 6-6, six and six. so to me, I was all over that with the Bills, and I bet them straight up that was a good win, good money there. And then, of course, in the nightcap, I'll get to that game with the Saints and the Falcons in a minute. But um, I want to talk about the Bears game because, yes, I did on the Sports Minute say minus four. That was the spread then. I will admit, I will be fair and admit when I am wrong. And by uh, Thursday morning, because the game was at 1230, I did not bet the game on Wednesday night. 
So I got screwed because the spread had had uh, raised, gone up, increased to five and a half. And I was very leery of that. Very leery to get the Bears at minus five and a half because that was really steep to in my opinion. I just don't know. I mean, the week before they barely covered the spread against the Giants. I don't know. They didn't cover the spread against the Giants. The Giants at plus six. They lost by, I think, five points in that game. So, yeah, the Bears, they don't have an ex- that explosive offense. Their defense has really tapered off from year, like in, in the last two years since they got Khalil Mack. I know Vic Fangio is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and but Chuck Pagano, cancer survivor, former Colts head coach, comes on over, takes over this defense for Matt Nagy, and they have just not been the same. And I think a lot of that has to do with their pass rush. They're not getting to the quarterback as much because the 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 um the opponents are doing a much better job of chipping on Khalil Mack. They're doing different things on the right side, whether he moves to the left side, to really stabilize stabilize him and keep him from rushing and getting those sacks and those fumble strip sacks on the quarterback like he was doing so well a season ago. So where I'm going with this is I ended up having to settle with the Bears at minus five and a half, and it was not a good bet. And I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I not only parlayed, because I wanted to do a parlay on all three games, not only did I parlay those three games, I then decided for whatever stupid reason, I guess I wasn't thinking properly, I decided to then throw money on the Bears straight up, not straight up, but just separately, uh, a single bet on the Bears at minus five and a half, and it was just stupid. They were losing much of the game, then they came back, and they did end up winning by four, so if you listen to that sports minute on Wednesday night and you did lock them in at minus four, it is a push. You did get your money back, so that is nice, but it is awesome too, the fact that I I have been pretty on key and on point with my picks the last couple weeks in the NFL. I hit three out of four on my parlay last week, and I missed my part 14 parlay by one half a point, basically, with the Steelers-Browns game. And then the week prior to that, I hit my 14 parlay, so that was a little nice payout there. So I've been getting better. I started off, the NFL's been very shaky, but we're in week 13 or whatever we're in now, and things are really starting to shape up, so it is nice. And, you know, you're starting to figure out what teams are good, what teams aren't. And it looks like the Dallas Cowboys really are a middle of the road team and the Buffalo Bills are better than we give them credit for. And I am super excited to watch them play against the Ravens next weekend. That should be a great one to watch. I'll be glued to the TV for that one. But yeah, so Mitchell Trubisky, he did look okay in this game. He threw an ill-advised interception, but he did, I'll give him credit. I, I rag on him a lot, but he did come back and he did get them the win. They improved, I think, to 6-6 six and six now themselves. So they're back at 500. But um, the reason that I was... I leaned towards the Bears in the end. I I know it's because of this guy, David Blau, third-string quarterback for the Detroit Lions. So if you don't know, Matthew Stafford has been a stalwart for the Detroit Lions. He was hurt early on in his career, but ever since, he has been a stalwart. He has been a machine, okay? And he has started every single game since 2010 until a couple of weeks ago when it was determined or when it was reported on that he had a couple of fractures in his back. So now he has been out. They went with their backup in Jeff Driscoll. Okay. Journeyman quarterback. He's okay. They have been in a huge skid. I think lost like three of four now, maybe like four or five. They're dropped. They've dropped to like three and eight now, I want to say on the season. And so it came up 
early in the week, like this just last couple of days right before Thanksgiving, that now Jeff Driscoll suffered a hamstring injury, and the word was that he might not be able to start. Well, Thanksgiving comes, and sure enough, this kid, David Blau, who is 24 years old, undrafted out of Purdue is starting. And a lot of times when you get a nobody type of player starting, there's not a lot of film on them. Nobody really knows this kid. That could cause problems. And it did cause some problems. In the end, the Bears were able to overcome those problems, but not enough to where they could win by a touchdown and cover that spread. So right off the bat, I was down. I was not happy with that performance. And I'm saying, here we go. So then I was leery to bet the next game, but I'm like, you know what? Every single person in the pregame is picking the Cowboys. And I couldn't fathom it. The Cowboys lost to the Jets. My New York Jets, it was one of those games where you just, I expected the Jets to lose 35 to two, to to three or 35 nothing or whatever, just an absolute blowout. And instead the Jets surprised the entire world and they beat the Cowboys. So then you look at the Cowboys and you're like, man, is this team any good? Then they would come back, they, they blow out the Philadelphia Eagles like 35 to 3 and everything's great again but then you find out that this really isn't the same Cowboy team that we all thought it was going to be or that it should be because they are losing to teams they shouldn't be losing and they're beating teams that they that they should be beating but they also have yet to beat a team with a winning record so they're beating all the bad teams and the Bills are 8 and 3 and yes they might not have a lot of good wins on their resume but they're still 8 and 3 and they really do have a solid defense. And so I decided, you know what? The Bills are heavy heavy underdogs. I'm not even going to bother with the spread because I believe that the Bills are going to go into Jerry World and they're going to win this game. So that's exactly what happened. Josh Allen who I will still say this although I, you know, I I hesitate a little bit to say this because, you know, we're only in the second year here and it's it's still up in the air with Sam Darnold and I really, really love what I've seen from him the last couple of weeks. A really, truly healthy Sam Darnold only turned the ball over once in the past three weeks and the Jets have scored 34 points, three straight games. I love that. But Josh Allen was my guy since his Wyoming days. I watched him a little bit here and there. Everybody was like, oh, the completion percentage, he's not accurate, he's not accurate. But all it takes is one game of watching him at Wyoming, which is not a great Division I program. I saw a receiver drop like two wide open touchdowns on deep balls. He's a big 6'5", 240 kid that can run the ball like Cam Newton, and he has a cannon for an arm. And I loved that about him. And so I wanted Josh Allen... As a Jet, it didn't happen. Instead, he goes to division rival Bills. And hey, year number year number two, Sean McDermott's third year. You all know how I feel about Sean McDermott. I am not a fan, but he has made it work. I've got to give him credit this season. They're now nine and three, and they are firmly there. Playoff spot is there for the taking. They're not going to win the division uh, unless a miracle happens. They're two games out on the Patriots, uh, but again, they are sitting in the top wild card spot. And they are looking like they could play, you know, spoilers. They could be a dangerous team because which their their defensive abilities and the fact that Josh Allen can run and throw and he's a physical downhill runner, they can cause some problems. So it's going to be very interesting moving forward to see how they progress throughout this season. 
So yeah, that was a big upset. I was extremely happy that I picked the Bills. So now I got back on the winning side and I was up for the day. Let's talk about this nightcap game between the Saints and the Falcons. If you remember a couple weeks ago, this the Falcons played spoiler in New Orleans in the Superdome and they won 26 to 9. It was it came out of nowhere, probably knocked a million people out of their survivor pools, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And everybody was pointing towards Dan Quinn making some changes on his defensive staff, moved Raheem Morris to uh from from offense, from wide receivers, I think, to uh, DBs, just different things like that, and it it worked out phenomenally. Well, I figured for sure the Saints, I believe the spread was, yes, seven and a half or seven, and I'm like, I'm saying to myself, yes, they're on the road. The Falcons are, are, are banged up. There's no Julio Jones. There's no Austin Hooper. The Saints should win this by at least 10 points, you know, double digits, even though they played Carolina, another divisional game, tough, down to the wire, uh, went to overtime, I want to say, and Sly missed that 28-yard field goal for Carolina, just heartbreaking, and then the Saints were able to win it, right? So, yes, you have that factor, which always is a little bit shaky and and makes you a little cautious, a little weary, if you will, when you're playing a divisional opponent because anything could happen. It doesn't matter records when you're playing your division because these are the teams that play you twice a year and they know you the best. And the Falcons knew the Saints the best because they just put it to them a couple weeks ago. But I figured, you know what? This was the most confident of all three games. I was so confident about the Saints here at minus seven and a half. So that means they have to win by eight. The Saints are cruising along the entire game, right? It is, I want to say it was like 20, yeah, it was 26 to 9, the exact same score of the game a couple weeks ago when the Falcons won. Next thing you know, it's the fourth quarter, not much to worry about. Next thing you know, the Falcons score a touchdown. Now it's 26 to 15. And there was an extra point missed earlier by Young Hui Koo for the Falcons, which made it a perfect eight-point game. It was like 11 for most of it. It was 11 for a while, and so I'm like, Perfect. They kick a field goal. It's an eight-point game. Boom, I win. No worries. There was really no worries at all. So then it's 26-9. The Falcons, out of nowhere, they go down the field, and they score pretty quickly to make it 26-15. to Okay, not a problem. They go for the two-point conversion. They get it out to uh, Calvin Ridley. He reaches over for the two-point conversion. It is good, so they say. Upon review, it was clear as day it wasn't it wasn't good. He like threw the ball at the pylon. Totally not a two-point conversion. Boom. That's it. So now it was 26 to 15. Back to an 11-point game. No problem. Well, guess what? The Falcons decide to go onside kick. And what do you know? They recover the onside kick. There had only been two all season long. There was one in the Bears Lions game, okay? And now there is one in this game. The Falcons are celebrating, yada, yada, yada. No, there is a penalty on the play. The Falcons were offside, and upon review, I think it was Terry McCauley that was on that was on this game with, um, no, maybe not. It wasn't CBS. It was NBC, excuse me. It was NBC with uh, Mike Tirico and um, Tony Dungy and um, Harrison. So those guys were saying that it, it was a bad call. It didn't look like they were offside. So the Falcons, sometimes they, they try to surprise them with the onside kick. So maybe you think they're going to kick off this time because there was still a decent amount of time left in the fourth quarter, down two possessions. But no, they go for the onside kick again. And what do you know? They get it again. 
I think this is the one where Alvin Kamara just makes a business decision like, yep, nope, I'm not getting hurt on this play, so I'm not going to go for the ball. No, it was, I want to say it might have, this might have been the one with Ted Ginn because there, I, I don't know, there were three of them. I think the one with Ted Ginn was the one with the penalty. And I'm saying you have to, you're a veteran. You have to dive into that pile and at least try to knock the ball out of bounds or jump on it. And he didn't do that. Then the next one was with Alvin Kamara and he just doesn't even go after it. And the Saint, uh, the Falcons player just runs and basically just catches it past the 10 yards. Nobody touched him. Easy. Falcons get it. And so I'm going to play. This was the... N- this was the next one. This was the crazy part. So what happened was the Falcons then, after that first onside kick recovery, they go down, and what happens is they get a 4th and 14 completion literally to Calvin Ridley right at the first down marker. There's going to be no review. So they come back from the two-minute warning. They have their timeouts and plenty of time. They're at like the 25. All they have to do is get a touchdown, go for another onside kick. Dan Quinn immediately decides to go for the field goal down 26 to 15 kicks the field goal now it's an eight point game I don't think I've ever seen somebody kick a field goal with that much time left and that many timeouts I would have went for the touchdown first okay it's all good they're gonna go it's under two minutes now they're gonna get go for the onside kick Saints will recover and just run the clock out no problem right well wrong because the Saints could not figure out their special teams they're 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 the recovery team, their hands team, was so bad that they let the Falcons recover another onside kick. You've got to listen to this to believe it. Physical guy, a bigger guy over there. So here's Koo looking for the bounce again. He got it again. It's on the ground. Who's got it? Oh, my goodness. Did they get another one? Are you kidding me? Did they get another one? Yes, they did. They did. Oh, my turkey leg. Unbelievable. Coming into today, there were only two successful recoveries of onside kicks all year, and the Falcons just did it back-to-back, and they're alive. These are amazing kicks, I'm telling you, to bounce this ball and give your guys a chance. Kamal Ishmael is going to come up with it. Again, Aluakon's hand. Tipped it before Michael Thomas got there. What a game he Yeah, um, I'm sorry though, Tony Dungy, those were not amazing kicks. You had a couple of guys in Michael Thomas on that last one and Alvin Kamara on the one before that. They made some executive decision or or, or business decision, if you will, kind of like they pulled an OBJ a couple seasons ago with the Giants on the onside kick where they just decided not to get hurt, not to even try and dive for the ball. I don't care who you are. For, For onside kick teams, hands teams, special teams, if you're going to be out there, I want some savages in the words of Aaron uh, Aaron Boone. I want guys that are going to put their bodies on the line. There are a few guys in the league out there that play special teams because they put their heart and soul on that field, on that coverage team. And this was a pathetic performance by a couple of basically superstar players on the Saints. They're two of their best players in Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara that just decided not to go after the ball. And this third one was even worse than the first one or the second one, if you will, because Michael Thomas literally just jumped back essentially and let them dive on it didn't even go for the ball and I'm sorry that is unacceptable absolutely unacceptable beyond 
freaked out. It was a joke because now the Falcons get the ball and I'm flipping out because it's an eight-point game and now the Falcons have the ball and have a chance to go and score. And God forbid they score and get the two-point conversion. If it goes to overtime, they don't they don't kick extra points in overtime. So it wouldn't even but it wouldn't even matter. They'd win by six and not eight. It would be seven. I mean, if they don't if they score, don't get the two-point conversion, then I still lose because they only win by two. It was a mess. Uh, for sure, and I was freaking out. I'm screaming at the TV. I'm screaming at the the Saints. Sean Payton is screaming at his um at, at one of his coaches. I would assume it was his special teams coach or his hands uh, coordinator. Uh, I I don't even know. Um, but it was it was ridiculous the fact that they let them not recover, not one, not two, not th- but three, three. It, it, you, I've never seen any, and like my uh, Mike Tarico said, there had only been three all season long, or two all season long, and then there were three in one day, and three in this game. If you count the one with the flag, it was absolutely buck wild. I could not believe what I was watching for a second. I mean, it was just unfreaking believable what I, you know, what I was witnessing, what the world was witnessing. And for anybody that bet that game, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it, it I mean, it was re, it was unbelievable. So I want to say that the coach that he was yelling at Sean Payton would be the special teams coordinator, Darren Rizzi. He has 26 years experience and he let that happen. That is a joke. I'd fire him today because that is unacceptable. And there is no reason that the Falcons should have recovered three straight onside kicks. It was an absolute disaster. And luckily in the end, three, I think three straight plays after the Falcons started to move the ball just slightly, the Saints defense prevailed and they sacked Matt Ryan on fourth down. Uh, I think on three straight plays on that series, they sacked him and they brought him down. He threw one away with a guy wrapped around his leg. Uh, yeah, so it was thank God, but the Saints held on by eight. So I was just cruising right along. And then it went from zero to 60 in like 2.5. And all of a sudden, I'm in jeopardy of losing this game. I'm texting my brother because he was at the house and then he had left thinking that I was going to win. And all this crazy, crazy, crazy stuff started to happen. And yeah, so it was just just medlam and mayhem and it was not a great way to finish up my thanksgiving but luckily you know they prevailed like i said i won some money there and i you know i was two for three or if you want to count my sports minute technically three for three and yeah so you know that's not bad not bad decent money good money there so with that being said i'm going to go over some um noteworthy uh headlines i want to say for this week, um, stuff that's going on. I will preview some of the games that are coming up, and I. But I do want to start with some news that just broke a couple of hours ago. I'm not shocked at this because I am a, I am a sports better myself. I gamble on the games every weekend, whether it's college, whether it's NBA, whether it's MLB, whether it's you know. NFL, you name it. I love to bet on it. It is now legal in my state, in the state of New Jersey, and it is rapidly becoming legal in other states. Well, a player on the Arizona Cardinals got suspended indefinitely. This, Like I said, this just came out a couple of hours ago. Josh Shaw, he is a cornerback on the Arizona Cardinals. He has been suspended 
through the 2020 season, the league found out that Shaw had bet on NFL games on multiple occasions this season. There was no evidence indicating that games were compromised in any way, though. I'm hoping he didn't bet on the Arizona Cardinals games. But according to Roger, here's a quote from Roger Goodell, betting on NFL games or on any element of a game puts at risk the integrity of the game, which I guess that is true because, you know, there's been point shaving scandals. Of course, we had Pete Rose betting on games for years. Um, he may appeal the suspension within three days. So that's going to come out quickly. I'm sure he will appeal that. He's not going to win more, more than likely. But currently, Shaw can apply for reinstatement on February 15th, 2021. So yikes. Yeah. Um, he's got a ways to go. That's shocking. So he has been suspended, um, for the entirety of next season. He has been on the IR all season because of a shoulder injury. So I was wondering why I had not heard of him. So yeah, that's basically the big news that came out today. Uh, The other news that you have to look for, uh, that you might want to keep up with, going into Sunday's slate of games is the New England Patriots, okay? Because they are set to take on the AFC South leading Houston Texans. They are signing their fourth kicker in Kai Forbath, the former Redskin kicker, because their recently signed kicker, Nick Folk just had an appendectomy like maybe two days ago, and he's nowhere near ready, as well as the fact that they have about eight guys that were experiencing flu-like symptoms. So I don't know what kind of bug went through there. I don't know if it was food poisoning or if something they ate or what, but that's just something to keep an eye out for. I don't think it was too many uh, too many big-name players, but back to uh, the kicking situation, they have had a strange year with the kicking because Steven Goskowski has been one of the premier kickers in this league ever since he was brought into the league out of Memphis in 2011. They have now signed, like I said, their fourth, third or fourth kicker this season alone. Their fourth of the season uh, on Sunday will start. Um, Like I said, they announced yesterday on Thanksgiving that Nick Folk will be out because of an appendectomy. The Patriots did place Goskowski on injured reserve back in October, so that's when they signed Mike Nugent, and then they didn't like what he gave them for a couple games, so that's when they went to uh, Nick Folk, and then I think he kicked for one or two games, maybe two games, and now they're going to hand it over to Kai Forbath. So that may be something to keep an eye out for if you're looking at spreads and things of that nature, but just a mess of it if you're the New England Patriots right now. Um the there are some good games this week and let's let's go over them now because we're almost about a half hour in so this is a good stopping point okay so let's go over the week's games ahead I'll start with the one o'clock games with my New York Jets having won three in a row I said it a little bit earlier they have scored 34 points in three straight games and it is the first time I want to say in the Jet in their history in New York Jets franchise history that they have had back-to-back or consecutive 30-point um, leads in a, in back-to-back games. So just phenomenal job what they're doing. They seem to have turned the corner too little too late, unfortunately. But um, it, it would be nice to see the Jets go into Cincinnati, a team that is 0-11. They're only three-point favorites, which is a little scary. I could see them laying an egg and giving the Bengals their first win as the Bengals are handing the reins back to the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton. They've seen enough out of this uh, young kid from um, NC State. 
But um, yeah, Finley, I think it was. So they go back to Andy Dalton, which scares me just a little bit. Uh, but I do still like the Jets. I'm not going to pick against my Jets. Uh, they're one of the hottest teams in football right now. But it would be awesome to see the Jets beat the Bengals, get the 5-7, and seven, and then one more victory over the Dolphins in a bit of a revenge game because the Dolphins beat them last time. Get the 6-7, and seven, and then they get to play... I believe the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bills to close out the season. And that game against the Ravens, that could be a cool game. You never know. That could be a game that if they win, they get to 7-7. Seven and seven. Who knows how the playoffs are shaking up because everybody's at 6-5 and five right now. The Jets are just a couple games back. It, it could get wild and crazy. You just never know. So I like the Jets at minus 3 there in Cincinnati. You have the Titans and Colts. I would not touch this game, but the Colts being at home, they are one-point favorites, but they're trending in the wrong direction, if you ask me, and the Titans seem to be trending in the right direction. The Titans are playing very well uh, right now. Right Since they went to Ryan Tannehill, they, they seem to be lighting it up. And then last week, I mean, they put on a clinic and they smoked Jacksonville 42 to 20. Uh, these two teams, I, I want to say they played back way back uh, on September 15th, and that was a Indianapolis win, 1917. So that was not with Ryan Tannehill. So with Ryan Tannehill, they're still giving the the uh, Colts one-point edge. No T.Y. Hilton in this game. So uh, I, see, I could definitely see the Titans winning this one. So I'm going to go with the Titans. I like the way they're trending. They're trending in a better direction than the Colts right now. The other game that I think is a must-bet on, is the Philadelphia Eagles at minus 10. I saw it at nine and a half and I was gonna jump on it. I probably should have done that. With it at 10 now, I'm still not worried. I will still probably bet it, but they're playing on the road in Miami. Of course, the Eagles are desperate for a win at five and six. They need to get back to 500. They need to you know, stay within striking distance of the Cowboys because they have a matchup coming up in week 15 that could be for the division. So give me the Eagles minus 10 over the Dolphins. And then the biggest one for me, a lot of people think this could be a trap game. I do not see that at all. People are saying, oh, you know, the Packers were exposed by the 49. No, the 49ers are just a great defensive team and they exposed the Packers one time. The Chargers did it to the Packers too, but the Chargers aren't world beaters. I think the Packers get back on track against the New York Giants who have lost what is it, eight in a row now? I think the Giants have lost. I mean, they are in a free fall. Everybody is calling for Shermer to to be canned. Um, and it's just not a good look for them at all. I think they've lost like seven games in a row, the New York Giants, and there's no chance they're beating Green Bay, whether they're at home or on the road. So I love me some Packers. I did already bet this Packers minus six and a half. Um, so I, I love that spread there. And then the Browns and Steelers, this is a rematch, obviously, between the, the game a couple weeks ago, the Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett incident. Those guys are not playing. They're going to Duck Hodges. And I I got to say, I like Cleveland in here in this one on the road. Spread is two. They won the game last time, although Mason Rudolph played and threw four interceptions. But I do like the Browns yet again. But I really... I wouldn't bet that game unless I were desperate. And then, of course, you've got the Panthers hosting the Redskins, and the spread on that one is 10. And I kind of, I am going to lean towards Carolina at minus 10. But again, not a game that I feel too overly confident about, nor would I bet. There's a couple games, there's one game that I think is interesting. The Buccaneers on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, they're staying in state. This is a bit of a Florida rivalry, right? Not too far from each other. 
But the Tampa Bay Bucks, they're both these teams are four and seven. Why are the Bucks on the road a two and a half point favorite against the Jaguars? I'm sorry. Give me the Jaguars. This is a game that I really might just bet the Jaguars straight up to win because I love me some Jaguars in this game. They finally made it a point, Doug Marone did, to get Leonard Fournette the football. And he he finally, he had one touchdown all season and then he gets two in this game uh, last week against the Titans, which has a very good uh, front seven. So yeah, I think that they're trending a little bit better. They got blown out, but I, do, I, I just don't get how they're underdogs in this game. So give me the Jaguars um, straight up to win actually and then the one that I uh everybody's going to be glued to the tv watching this one another 1 p.m game I wish this was a night a night game Sunday night game but it's the 49ers on the road against the Ravens this is tough though because the 49ers have to travel across country they just played a good Green Bay team beat up on them they're 10 and 1 on the road against a 9 and 2 Ravens team that seems to beat everybody they're the hot team they're the favorite team that everybody is rooting for Lamar Jackson MVP talk this that and the other thing right and they're doing things that we've never seen done before Lamar Jackson's redefining the quarterback position yada 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 all that good stuff but the, there's no way that the 49ers should be five and a half point favorites. And this is another one where I'm tempted to take the 49ers to win this game. Everything, I'm going against everything that everybody is saying in taking the 49ers. And it does scare me that they're coming across the country because we saw what happened when the Oakland Raiders did that. But the Oakland Raiders are not the San Francisco 49ers. They're not on that same level. And I think that the... Uh, Ravens are on a roll and somebody has to stop them. They have to lose a game eventually. What they've won, they've won seven games in a row have the Ravens beating the Steelers, the Bengals, not great teams, right? But then they went on the road across country and they did beat Seattle. They beat them pretty good. Then they had a bye. Then they beat the Patriots, another good team. So two really good wins there, but they beat Cincinnati again. So three bad teams. Then they beat three really good teams, uh, two really good teams, excuse me, in the Rams, who not the same team as last year, but they're still a team that went to the Super Bowl a year ago. And the Houston Texans, they smoked them 41 to seven, not even close. So this should be interesting. Everything says Baltimore, but I'm sorry, I'm going upset here and I'm taking the 49ers because I think the that Bosa, Armstead, all those guys off the edge, I think they're going to pose a problem. If they can keep, if they can keep um, excuse me, if they can keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket, then there's going to be problems for the Ravens and they're going to get smoked. And that's why I think the Bills will be watching, glued to the TV watching this game because the Bills have a great front seven as well and they get to face Lamar Jackson in a week from now. And I'm going to end up picking the Bills in that game as well because they have 10 days to prepare for this game. So it's going to be very interesting to see that. Then you have uh, the Broncos. I, I got word from my buddy um, that who's a huge Bronco, Nuggets, Broncos, Denver fan in general, uh, my buddy Nick. He tells me that Drew Locke has been activated off IR and he is expected to start this game at home against the Chargers. Chargers minus three. Let me get the Denver Broncos in this one. I'm going against everything that my gut is telling me, but I'm sorry. I just saw this guy, David Blau, do things that the Bears were not expecting, and Drew Locke is a little bit of a mobile guy. I don't think there's much tape on him, and I think that the Chargers are going to have... They're, they're not going to know what hit them, and I think they're going to have a hard time of stopping him. They're not world beaters. 
Philip Rivers looks like uh, he needs to retire or should have retired five years ago at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go against the grain here. And if you want to throw a flyer and bet this game, I would say the Broncos at home, they have been very good. They haven't won a lot of games this year, and they're losing right at the, you know, at on field goals right at the buzzer or right at the end of the game. So, but yeah, still, I've got, I'm going to go with the Broncos here. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Broncos plus three at home. Then you have in the 4 p.m. games, you have the Chiefs hosting the Raiders. Chiefs at 10 and a half favorites. Uh, I think that they bounce back. A 10 and a half seems a little steep. Raiders really got smoked. I, I, I don't know that I... I would if I ha- if I bet this game I would take Chiefs ten and a half but the Chiefs have screwed me all season long so I'm leaning more towards the Raiders in this one but another again this is not a game that I would necessarily bet on and then uh, the eight twenty game you have the Patriots on the road against the Texans Patriots are three point favorites um, sadly I am going to take the, uh, Texans in this one. I'm shocked that I'm saying that, but I'm going to take the Texans. Everything that's going on with the Patriots, I think the kicking game comes into effect. I think that the Texans will bounce back and make this a close game and possibly win it. And then the Monday night game, finally, the Monday night game, we have the Seahawks hosting the Vikings. Seahawks are nine and two Vikings are eight and three. This should be a great showdown. Seahawks at home getting three points. Um, unfortunately the Seahawks home field advantage hasn't been the same this season for whatever reason, it's not been what it it used to. And I've been on the Viking bandwagon all season long. So I'm going to go Vikings at plus three here and possible upset. Okay guys. So that is going to do it for our NFL segment. Part one, really, of uh, episode 70. What did I say it was? Episode 70, uh, episode 77 of This Week in Sports. We're going to take a quick timeout, a quick little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk. I guess we'll jump into some college football, maybe some NBA talk. I don't even know. I'm going off the cuff. I don't have anything planned for this. So we will take a quick break. I'll try to figure out what the heck I'm going to talk about in, in part two. And then I'll see you right back here in a second. We'll be right back. 